I remember. I remember Mr. Murs, Mrs. Murs. I remember being here. It was the most amazing thing being next to people who could sing, who sing well, who sing like out loud and are not ashamed and sound good. And I went to one person and I sat next to them and I kind of figured out I was being moved around because this way no one could hear me. And that's okay. You learn that way. You figure out what you're good at and what you're not good at. And one of the things I found is that we're going to learn this morning. We're going to figure out that even if you can't sing, every single person can worship and praise the Lord. Every single one of us. That's what we should be doing as God-fearers, God-believers, loving Him and worshiping Him no matter what. So this morning, we're going to look at Psalm 103. It is the most amazing, unbelievable worship. It is pure worship. David is writing this, and he just starts right out from the bottom of his toes to the top of his head, the inner being, the inner core, and he's saying, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of His benefits, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. This is an amazing, awesome psalm. Turn to Psalm 103, and I'm just going to open in prayer. And my daughter, Trisha, was telling me that she likes my new voice. I don't know if you like it, but it's a little deeper than it normally is. I kinda, I'm going to get used to it. So just bear with it. Every once in a while, I will take a drink of water. Psalm 103, Lord, quiet our hearts, help us, Father, just to worship you, help us to worship you like you love us, give us just a small glimpse of what it would be like, help us, Father, even this morning, help me. In Jesus' name, amen. This is such a, a, a cool psalm. David starts out, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless the Lord. David's talking here about Yahweh. They didn't even want to, the Jewish custom, they didn't even want to pronounce the name of God. And we say Yahweh, it means I am. It is eternal God, holy righteous I am. But as we're going to go through this psalm, I'm just going to cut right to the chase. When we look at Psalm 103, every benefit, everything we talk about today, we are talking about what comes from knowing our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. David wrote these words before Jesus was ever here on this earth and ever was nailed to the cross and was ever resurrected. 
He's speaking about Jesus. He's speaking about all these things. And I watched this documentary called Free Solo. Actually, I watched the trailer. I didn't actually watch the whole thing. Maybe I missed something. But it's an amazing thing. This guy climbs rocks. I mean, he, he gets on a rock with his fingertips. And he, he hangs there by his fingertips. And his body's hanging. I'm like, I have enough trouble getting out of a chair. The guy's like hanging. And he's, he goes up this thing called El Capitan in Yosemite National Park. Some of you have been there. Probably an amazing thing. Do you know how tall this, this thing is? It is, if you took the Empire State Building and you stacked it up three times. Fifty years ago, it took him six months to get to the top. This guy named Alex, look at his last name, we'll call him Alex, Alex H. He did it in a day. No ropes, just up. And, I, and I'm watching this thing and I'm thinking, look at the size of it. Look at the a massive thing. And that's Psalm 103. David is scaling the unbelievable wall of praising and worshiping God. And this morning, we're going to look at three ways of doing that. You can worship God from what David does, verses 1 to 5, from inside. Inside, personal. Don't, I, I kind of think of this, be selfish. Don't worry about your wife. Don't worry about your husband, your kids. You worship God. I know everybody here, as a Christian, you're probably so used to taking care of everybody else taking care of your kids, taking care of your wife, taking care of your employees, taking care of everybody else. Take care of yourself. Take care of your worship with God. Take care of being able to say, bless the Lord, oh my soul. That's where it starts. And then everything else will fall into place. And I think that's why David starts this way. It's so important to be able to get it right between you and God. And you know what? I don't know if I'll ever be there. Probably never be there until I'm in glory. But I know I will be in glory. David is writing these words, bless the Lord, O oh my soul. And he is praising God. So we, we spoke about who he's worshiping. He's worshiping Yahweh. He's blessing God with his soul for all these benefits. And I already said it comes from Jesus. All these benefits. He says, who forgives all my iniquities. There's nothing, he starts there because that's the most important thing. There's nothing greater than having your sins forgiven. That you can have a relationship with God. Because before you asked Christ into your life, before you had faith, you were separated from him. And it's all the work of God. He forgives you. All your sin is forgiven. And then he goes and all your diseases are healed. And I'm like, well, I don't know. I might have pneumonia or bronchitis. I don't know what I got. I look around and I see people who are deathly ill. My best friend growing up has end-stage liver cancer. And he just found out that uh, the donor is not going to be able to work out. He's 54 years old. He probably won't last another six months. And when David speaks about all your diseases are healed... I wonder, I wonder, God, do you really see what's going on here? But he is speaking about all your diseases are healed when we get to glory. But also, he's mostly speaking about spiritual disease. Your pride, your arrogance, all the diseases that separate us from God. 
He heals all your diseases. When you came to faith in Christ, that's what he did. He was able to heal you. And, and you could probably say, well, Mark, that may be true, but you know what? If he healed me of all my spiritual diseases, why do I still hate? Why, do I, why does this still happen? Because we're not there yet. But David is able to praise him. Look at David's life. David was such a great sinner. Probably shouldn't use the word great before sinner. But he was horrible. I mean, the guy, you, you know. You know everything about David. But he was also a man after God's own heart. So here is God being able to use David. How much of an encouragement is that for you and for I? How, I mean, if, if he could use David, he could use each one of us. It's such an encouragement to have these words from David. One of the things that I remember just thinking about all the benefits that God give, gives us I remember being young, and I, rem I think I told you guys this before. I remember my mom telling me, don't ever go to Smithtown Gospel Tabernacle. I mean, I was forbidden to go, pretty much. I went to Christ the King Church in uh, Comac, and we were Roman Catholic, and we would go, and my mom heard weird things about Smithtown Gospel. So, you know, when you say to your kids, don't go to the bar, you know, don't, don't go here. Mine was, don't go to Smithtown Gospel. So because my mom said, don't go to Smithtown Gospel, man, I had such a good time when I went. It was awesome. And, and I, I went right there. So don't ever tell your kids not to do something because they'll probably go. And I went to a coffee house. And um, they gave me this tape. So this may sound bizarre, but, you know, where other kids are doing weird things, I am in my room in the basement listening to this. There is a Redeemer Jesus, God's own Son, precious Lamb of God, Messiah, Holy One, Jesus, my Redeemer, name above all names, precious Lamb of God, Messiah for sinners slain. You know, what God does in our lives is beyond verbal description. This psalm is for you who know him. This Psalm 103 is not for an unbeliever. It's for God-fearers. It's for people who are in awe of who Jesus Christ is, who Yahweh is. It is for those who fear him. And I have to tell you, when you speak about fear, it is not that walking on eggshell kind of fear. I mean, I've been there. I don't know if you've had that in your life. If you had relationships like that, that you just didn't know like what they were going to be like. Up, down, not. That's not God. That is not our God. You don't have to walk on eggshells when you're, when you're around God. So that was my first point. <laughs> basically is worshiping God from the inside. But then now you got the outside. And the outside, I kind of covered a little bit already, but that's us. That's the church. 
And then David goes into verses 6 to 8. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. I really want to stop here. He's speak, David's speaking about historical mercy. He's speaking about who his God is. He mentions Moses. He mentions the acts of the people of Israel. And I really had to think about my own life. What's my history? What has God done in my life? Who is God in my life? Listen to this again. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. You want to know who God is? Someone asks you, who is God? Right there. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. I remember being little, not little, I actually was probably in my 20s, and I got angry, really angry, like mad, mad, mad. So what did I do? Kicked a metal garbage can and broke my toe. Sort of an idiot. And angry. Someone made me so mad, I swung at him and missed. Broke my hand. Another, you know, we get angry. We get mad. God is slow to anger. This is a, an amazing thing that God should be angry at us for who we were before we were even born, separated from him in sin. And yet God's steadfast love his steadfast love is a love that is unbreakable. You all know love that's breakable. You all know relationships that are broken. You all know human love can be broken in a second like a stick and snap. The love of God is unbreakable. It's eternal. It lasts forever. That's what David's talking about. So when he's praising God, he's saying, your love is not like any love I've ever known and will ever know. Thank you, thank you, thank you. David could stand there and say, after everything that happened in David's life, he could say that the Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. One of the things that also happened to me when I was younger is that I was, I guess I was kind of running away from God. And I think I was, I'm not really sure, but I know there was a battle going on in my heart. I had never given my faith to God. And I remember kneeling one time in my bedroom and I just knelt down and I said, Lord, I'm going insane. I mean, I, I'm really honestly, I, I, I think I'm going insane. And here I am praying to a God I really don't know, and I said, I need you to heal me. You are real. Heal me. I beg you. I beg you. Heal me. And you know what? It wasn't like in a second, oh, you're healed. But from that moment on, my life has never been the same. Think about your own history. Even journal it. I always think I'm a good journaler, and then I look back at all the journals I have. I have like 350 journals with like two pages filled out, and they're all over the room, and there's like little things. And my kids, when I pass away, when they all go to look at my stuff, they'll be like, first of all, they won't be able to read it, because I have the worst handwriting in the world. 
So I don't know if you're a journaler, if you're good at that, but it's not a bad idea. And then to go back and take a look at it and see what God has done in your life. So we're still on this section about praising God from the outside. And one of the things that God talks about here is forgiveness. It's really a cool thing. It's really a neat thing that every single one of us, if you put your faith in Christ, you're forgiven. You have complete and absolute forgiveness. My son-in-law, Mike, and I went to see my son, Rob, and we were in a plane. I hate to fly. I didn't tell him this, but I hate, I don't know if you know, I hate to fly. I hate to fly. I hate, hate, hate. I probably look like, oh, this is cool. I hate to fly. And the reason why I hate to fly is because they won't let me fly the plane. I want to be in the cockpit. I want to be able to be like, I'm in control. 800 miles an hour, 30,000 feet in the air, and a metal tube is not a cool thing. And I'm not in control. So we're sitting there. Mike's got the window seat. And there's a lady over here who is like sleeping. I don't know how you, she's like, how do you do that in a plane? I looked out this window and I could see as far as the eye could go. And I looked out this window and I could see as far as the eye could go. And then I tried to, I don't know how you do this because I'm not by the window. So then I'm trying to do this so I could look up and, I, and look down. And one of the reasons is because of what God says here. Just take a look with me at verse 11. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him. And again, this, this word fear, it is being bold. It's being a bold Christian following the king. It is not being somebody who's afraid of their God. It's worshiping and respecting your God, knowing that he is your king, he is sovereign, he's in control. It says, as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, they never meet. Your sin is no more. He has forgiven it. It's, it's gone. It is completely gone. So far does he remove our transgressions from us. God has removed our sin. He has forgiven us. Listen to these words. It is well. It is well with my soul. It is well, it is well with my soul, my sin. Oh, the bliss of the glorious thought that my sin, not in part, but the whole, is nailed to the cross and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Oh, my soul, it is well, it is well with my soul. And I love this, it is nailed to the cross. It is nailed to the cross. You know, Easter's coming up and we have to think about as believers, as God-fearers, as people who love him, what are we, what am I doing about sharing Christ with the world? And I'll be honest with you, outside of my wife, Every year saying, we got to do these baskets for Lighthouse Mission. we got to teach these Iwana kids about, about um, God. I don't think I do very much, to be honest with you. But I'm going to pray about it and ask them, give me an opportunity to be able to share Christ with somebody. And you know what God's going to do? He's going to give me that opportunity. And I don't want to be like, uh, I don't know. 
So I'm praying he gives me an opportunity, and I'm also praying that he gives me the right words to say, and I pray that for you as well, because there's nothing greater than sharing what David's writing here about forgiveness. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 1 John 1.9. And then we look at this last part of this big section, all the way from verse 6 to verse 18. Now he's going to speak about God's patience, about God's forbearance. And this is what he says. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. As for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like the flower of the field. For the wind passes over it, and it's gone, and its place knows it no more. But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him, and his righteousness to children's children. Now we all know, I mean, God is saying here how much he loves us and how much he is never, ever, ever going to leave us, and he has compassion upon us. So Father shows compassion to his children. I remember being really little, and having migraines all the time. I mean, just really, anyone ever have like really bad headaches and you just want to go in a room, turn the light off, and just wake up the next day? And I remember my dad would come in and my dad would, he would take his hand and he would just, he would just do this. And he'd just put his hand over my eye. That simple, little tiny act of, I got you, love. I am here, and you're okay. That's who God is. And don't get me wrong, because some of you could probably say, you know, these verses here saying, as a father shows compassion, there's so many fathers that don't show, or parents that show compassion to their children. And that is so horrible. God is saying here, as a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him, for he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. God has so much compassion upon us. He loves us. And again, that steadfast love, that is not a human love, that is an eternal love. See, we're frail. He says we're dust. Do you know he knows your frame? He knows inside and out. Scary thought. Scary thought that God knows you inside and out. And then he says, and, I, and he remembers that we are but dust. And I always think that if I ever get into a point where I look to the person next to me and say, ooh, I'm better than they are, man, I got to read this verse. You're dust. You're mud. There's one version that says you're mud. And then he starts to speak about our lives. That you're like grass. And I love the verse. It says you're like a flower that flourishes in the field. And I went back and looked at some pictures. And man, I had hair. I had hair and I didn't look that bad. I was like, look at Linda. You're still beautiful. Look at Linda and I. She hasn't changed a bit. I have. And we look, I look at the pictures and we look amazing. You're all like a flower that's flourishing in the field. Just wait for the wind. It's going to blow right over you. And then you're gone. You are no more. And your place doesn't even remember it. 
I mean, unless you're Abraham Lincoln or something like that, no one's going to remember you. You're gone. You are no more. But the point is, he says, but. I love that word. Because what comes after it is, but the steadfast love of God is from everlasting to everlasting. It never ends. And then he says, and his righteousness to children's children. For me, I could be completely theologically wrong. And you guys can tell me. But this is such hope for me that I get to share Christ with young people that they, they're behind us and they get to share Christ with other people. And even if I'm gone and I'm dead and I'm in heaven, there's other people here on earth. God never ends. He's everlasting. Linda and I are going to be grandparents. Ah. Come on, look at that. Look at these things. We get to share Christ with the next generation. God's everlasting love never ends. It's going to go on forever. You won't be here. Trust me. You will not be here. I'm really sorry. And if you're a young person, I'm not trying to scare you because you're probably going to live to your 120, which is a long time. But life is fragile. Life is fragile. You could be here one minute and gone the next. Do not wait to put your faith in Christ if you haven't. Because you can be here one second, gone the next. There was a banker. I'll never forget it. Hey, John, how are you? Good, John. Next week. Hey, where's John? Nope, put his head back. He's gone. What, what do you mean? Yeah, he, he, he was supposed to go to the doctor, and they said there was a problem, but he just decided not to go, and he's gone. What do you mean he's gone? You are dust and mud. I know I'm hanging on this for a second here, but you have to understand. God loves you so much. He doesn't want you to. He knows your frame. He knows your mud. His everlasting love is there for you. Why wait to accept it? Why wait to accept it? Don't wait to accept it. Don't wait to share Christ with your grandkids, with your nieces, with your nephews, with your kids. You don't have to take the Bible out and bore them to death. I don't mean that. Look at the sun and say, wow, God made that. That's how you share Christ. There's nothing been made that has been made that Jesus hasn't made. I know that's probably poor English, but you know what I mean. That's how you share Christ with somebody. Where they're living, what they're doing, what they're seeing, what they're in the midst of. I have certainly said enough. Lastly, the last part, God is sovereign. He's in control. He's the king. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens, and his kingdom rules over all. I love the part about the angels. If you go to the end, I love this. So I feel like some people don't believe in angels. I've always believed in angels. I just love them, but they're not like these cute, cuddly little things. It says, bless the Lord, O you his angels, you mighty ones. You just picture these mighty angels doing God's word, doing God's bidding. All of creation and all the universe is worshiping God. Bless the Lord, O you his angels, you mighty ones who do his word, obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all you his hosts, his ministers who do his will. Bless the Lord, all his works in all places 
of his dominion. Bless the Lord. He starts with, bless the Lord, O my soul. He ends with, bless the Lord, O my soul. I haven't even done justice. I haven't come close to this psalm, be able to explain it to you in any good way. But just understand, leaving today, how much God loves you. How much he gave his son Jesus for you. I was at a bank function recently. Uh. You didn't know I was going to do that, did you? <laughs> you guys know what this is? This is so when you're at a bank function and you have to clap for somebody, you don't hurt your hands. So they hand these out, and we all get one. So we're at the Westbury Manor. You know, all these bankers, we all get together, and I was up for, my branch was up for a couple of awards, and I was all excited, and we go to the Westbury Manor, and you know, it's like living the other life, because... I don't know, it's like hanging out in this really cool mansion and they're feeding me. I, I get really good food at home, but this stuff was like, you know, filet mignon and lobster kind of thing. So you're walking around and you're feeling really important. And after, you have, after all that, you go inside and you sit down and I'm in the second row. My boss is here. All the managers are here and all the executives in the bank. I like to sit in the back row. I don't know about you guys, but my boss had to sit in the front row, second row. So we're sitting there, and as we're sitting there, we're going through, and they do awards, and they go, yay, like 300 people just doing this. It doesn't even do it justice. You see here, I feel like, oh my gosh, I got to go home. I can't take this. So they're doing this thing, and then all of a sudden at the end, one of the executives come up, and they read this letter, and the letter says, she reads the letter, and no one knows what's going to happen. No one, no one knows. So she goes, something like this. Um, Tommy, who um, has been a banker for 35 years, has been the fire chief for 45 years in Longwood. And he has been the uh, president of the Rotary for 45 years. He, he started the soup kitchen in Longwood. Um, he is the, the chief librarian in Longwood. He, um, he mentors and, and um, helps young people. He opens his home and brings people into his home. Um, he's an EMT uh, for 35 years. This went on forever. And everyone's like, please stop. We look so bad. But when I looked over, the man was crying. He had tears pouring. He didn't know why he was there. His boss got him to come. And, and she's sitting there. She's got him to come to the thing. And he's crying. My boss is crying. Tissues are going all around. The president of the bank is crying. And they just keep reading this list and reading this list. And in one of the most amazing things I've seen, 300 people stand all at once. Just stand. And they just do this. The, the applause was unbelievable. It was crazy. That's what we should be like, worshiping our King and our Lord. And I know you're probably like, oh, come on. We're not going to stand up and start clapping with that thing. But our hearts, our souls, and our minds should be worshiping Jesus Christ for all the benefits that he has given each and every one of us. And I'll be the first to say I come so short. But that's what we need to do. And this guy, Tommy... I'm telling you, he was a mess. I think he's still a mess. He walked out of there like, I have no idea what just happened. No idea. They gave him this big check. It was like this big. He's walking out of the building with it and everything. It was wonderful. And, 
Anyway, I'm going to end on that. That we need to be worshiping like David worshiped. So let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, I do pray that you would take, please take the good things that I said and use them for you and take the not so good and just get rid of them. And that your Holy Spirit would fill each one of us, Lord, to bless the Lord, O my soul, with all that's within me. Bless your holy name. Amen.